I get it. We're all busy, which is why I'm sending out short, simple, but powerful tips via text to help you elevate your speaking business. Text me the word speaker to 704-228-9495 to get on this free list. That's the word speaker to 704-228-9495. Are you a meeting planner or hosting your own event and you're looking for incredible women speakers? We've got you covered. Head to micdropworkshop.com slash roster to find your next keynote speaker from our roster of vetted inspirational women. That's micdropworkshop.com slash roster. Y'all are in for a treat today. One of my new friends, Mathina James Brightful, is going to be joining us. And Mathina and I met in a clubhouse room. I feel like that's like the... 2021 modern romance now. Um, and if you're not familiar with Clubhouse, it's a new app that's like an an audio only kind of live podcasting, whatever you want to call it. We'll, we'll get into it a little bit more in the episode. But we met in a Clubhouse room about speaking engagements. And I was just blown away by her advice and her tips and what she's done for the world. Mathina has trained over 100,000 individuals in the field of sexual violence prevention. She was even awarded the 2009 Governor's Award for Volunteer Service in Maryland. She is one impressive woman who is helping change the game of speaking. So please welcome Mathina. What's up, everybody? It is Jess Ekstrom, and welcome to Business on the Bright Side, the podcast where you can learn how to make a living and make a difference at the same time. Life is short, and so is my attention span, so let's get started. One of my favorite questions to ask speakers is, what was your first gig, and how did it happen? (laughs) professional gig? Let's start with either just like your first gig and then we'll go to professional gig. My first professional speaking gig like that I got a check for. Mm -hmm. I was 22 and I was training on elder abuse, how to recognize it, how to be supportive. And so my very first training, I'll never forget this. I was in front of police officers, all of them, not like rookie cops. No, they were like 20, 30 year seasoned detectives. And they're all staring at me like, what you going to do? <laughs> I've had that look before too. Yeah. You know, like wrap it up. And I even, hadn't even begun. So, and I got that because I started working at a, as an educator at a rape crisis center mm-hmm. and they were doing elder abuse. And that's how, that's how I got my first session. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> Did you, so you didn't like catch the bug right away. You were like, I don't know if this is for me. Not at all. And I started, of course, like speaking. So my first unprofessional, right? I didn't get a check. Okay. For yeah. I got I ran this for yeah. Miss Morgan State University. Oh, so I yeah. was the queen of my school. And this was also memorable because I was supposed to go to an away game in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And instead, I was in front of about an audience of about 1,500 people introducing the mayor of my city. Wow. And I thought that was important, right? It is. Yeah. But I got flat for it um, by some of the campus administrators. They definitely was like, where were you? You're my queen. I need you. And I'm like, okay. I never thought that 
it would make that big of a difference. But that right. was it. That was my first like major non-paid speaking engagement. I was introducing Mayor Martin O'Malley at the time, who was the mayor of Baltimore. That's amazing. So yeah. what what did you when did you feel like you started to catch your groove? When did you realize, oh my gosh, like this is this is for me? Because now not only do you speak, you've trained what was it like I saw on your website over like a hundred thousand women to, to do yeah. the same? Over a hundred thousand. I've trained over a hundred thousand individuals to uh-huh. understand, recognize, report issues of sexual violence in particular. And then when I add the women who I've done personal development with, empowerment with work, I don't even know I stopped counting, to be honest. That's um, because I was just more committed, less committed to the numbers then and more committed mm-hmm. to the impact. And there comes a time where you need the numbers, right? To really like buffer and give some credit, like give me mm-hmm. some receipts. Um, but then it became a time where I really became committed to that. I think the biggest difference for me when I really like got that bug and that juice, mm-hmm. I was I consider myself a writer. I don't now, but I consider myself a writer. And the first time I was working with a group of teens, actually, well, they were middle schoolers, was the first time where I was like, oh, maybe I can do this. Because at the end of the session, I had a teen come up to me and disclose some violence or abuse that was happening in the home. And I knew what to do, finally, because the first time I had that experience, I didn't know what to do. But this time I knew what to do. I knew what to say. And I knew that the disclosure came because I was willing to step in front of the room. I was willing to be crazy as I needed to be to get their attention. And that's what made the impact for me when I got that one person out of the classroom of 20 or 25. Mm-hmm. to say, you just made a difference for me. Not in those words, because middle schoolers don't talk like that. Right. But the impact, that was what gave me the true bug. and was like, no, you're meant to do this. And it took, you know, other instances over the years to really, mm-hmm. you know this, to really be like, nah, this is your zone of genius. Like, right. you're not just good at this. You're slamming at it. I love but, that yeah. zone of genius is such a, it's such a magical place to find. And you're lucky to find it early on in life where you have, a, a runway where you can explore it. And, and you and I, we connected on clubhouse, which first of all, what's, what's your vibe of clubhouse right now? I really love clubhouse. Yeah. Clubhouse gives three main things that I need right now. So mm-hmm. one is connections, right? And I, I look at connections as opportunities for things I want to learn or people I might want to follow that are like leaders in their industry. I look at collaborations as what you and I have right now. People Mm -hmm. who are are like similar industries, like-minded, that you're like, we got to work together. (laughs) Right. And then, of course, clients. So my first um, two weeks on Clubhouse, I was doing an event that ended December. It was on December 14th, the day before my birthday. Mm. And my first two weeks on Clubhouse, I was able to fill that event. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. And so just as a um, recap for anyone listening, who's like, what the heck is this clubhouse thing that I keep hearing about the way that I explain it? And maybe you have a better explanation is that it's really like an audio only social media platform where Mm -hmm. you can listen to what they call rooms, which maybe the the biggest similarity would be like a panel um, or almost like listening to a live podcast happen in real time. Mm-hmm. You can raise your hand, you can come up on stage, you can host your own room. Um, I was super unsure about it when I first, you know, came on. And then, then I realized like just the, um, like you said, the ability to connect with people like you and I, maybe we have so much in common, but we would have never 
brush shoulders, you know, had it not been for us being in a speaking room together. The other thing that I was really excited about is, you know, we're in a weird time for speaking engagements right now. Clubhouse can be a really great supplement to speaking, not just from like a practice building, but also a platform building. So what would you say for speakers who maybe are in a lull right now at the pandemic? How can they utilize Clubhouse? I love it. I would utilize Clubhouse this way. First, I would start hosting my own room, share my areas of expertise. I would start mm-hmm. following people who are amazing that, again, you want to connect and collaborate with. And I'll invite them into your rooms. And if you're doing really powerful topics, well, what I would what I call tantalizing titles, mm-hmm. then you're probably going to garner that interest and attention. And sometimes we hop in rooms based on the title and the number of people in them. Because you can right. like this room has 100 people, this room has 1,000 people. And I would also then, in terms of looking for speaking engagements, put it in your bio. If you're going to be on Clubhouse, drop in your bio. I literally had somebody reach out to me. It was like, oh, I heard you. And I looked at your uh, bio and it said that you were doing speaking engagement for 2021. Sometimes you think, oh, that's a little too simple. Of course, I'm, no. Put it in your bio. Put it in black and white so it doesn't live in gray. I love that. And I remember going on your bio and I, I'm a huge advocate for people that it's just like the lowest hanging fruit is just say that you're a speaker. I mean, yeah. just put it in your bio. People won't book you to speak if they don't know you're a speaker. You took it a step further and gave the season that you're now accepting gigs for. And I thought that that was such a awesome way to not just show that you speak, but hey, this is what I'm available for. This is what I'm looking for. And like, make the ask, put it out there. So how do you get people that you work with over that fear? I think a lot of people that are like, I have the story within me. I just don't know how to be a speaker. So one of the things that we first want to do for anybody who's like, yes, I've got the story. How do I move forward is identify who you want to talk to. And you're talking, you're listening to somebody who's literally spoken in pre-kindergarten classes <laughs> on to training professionals in the military and the like. And I found pre-kindergarten, yeah, over that. Okay. <laughs> so I did that my first probably five years speaking. And then I hired somebody to handle those presentations. And then I realized uh, really stiff environments aren't for me. So identify what's for you. I love high engagement, high energy spaces, predominantly where I get a chance to speak to women. That's me. What is your space? And then allow close on this as the next strategy. And once you identify who you want to speak to, find where they are and go there. Mm-hmm. Go to those spaces and let them know who you are. Give them your verbal business card. Or, you know, because we're all under a pandemic right now. Uh, So you may not be giving out physical business cards even then, but give them a digital verbal business card. Let them know how you show up in the world and start asking for opportunities. Yeah. Most of us don't get sales because we don't ask for them. Right. I actually, um, I like to think of it how, you know, if you've ever been to like a concert or like a basketball game and they have the the t-shirt guns like that they're shooting out. Like no one's going to get the t-shirt who's just like sitting there on their phone. You have to stand in the trajectory of like what you want. And it's, it's the same with speaking. It's like, oh, I really want to speak to, you know, women who are starting businesses, or I really want to speak to, you know, uh, some sort of mom's group. It's like, well, you got to stand in the trajectory. Like where's the t-shirt gun aiming and, and put yourself there and, and ask for it. I think that that's like another big thing. That's just 
we sometimes as women, we don't want to overstep or, or feel like we're selling ourselves, but I'm mm. like, that is bullshit. We got to do it. You have to, you know, yeah. my coach said to me, my coach said to me when I had a problem asking for the sale, mm-hmm. she said to me, Mathina, are you willing to have a dignified conversation? That sounds mm-hmm. important, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. I am. <laughs> She said, that's all sales is. Sales is a dignified conversation where you lay out the options and then they get to choose. You want them to choose powerfully. Yes to you or yes or no to you. Because that way it frees you up to move into the next opportunity. And not now doesn't mean not ever. Yeah, I love that. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast to build your brand and get speaking reps? But then you realize, actually, wait, that sounds like a lot of work. For Amplify, we use EarFluence, a full-service audio and video podcast production company. While anyone can and should start a podcast, I recommend you stay in your zone of genius and leave the podcast production to the experts. You can schedule a free consult today by visiting earfluence.com slash Amplify. That's earfluence.com slash Amplify. One of the most common questions I get is how to speak with confidence, whether you're giving a TED talk, leading a meeting at work, or even just speaking up at your kid's PTA meeting. So you're in luck. I created a short ebook with all of my favorite speaking hacks, and it is absolutely free. Go to micdropworkshop.com slash ebook. That's micdropworkshop.com slash ebook. And, you know, since we both are really ingrained in the speaking world, I'd love to take a moment to talk about how, uh, I mean, we, we, first, my, the thing that I was looking at in the speaking world is how do we get more women on stage? And that was, Mm -hmm. I was tired of the all male panels and being the token women in there. But now I have this whole new awareness of, I mean, tokenism in speaking, especially with Mm -hmm. black women. Mm -hmm. And so how can someone like me, you know, a white woman speaker, mm-hmm. help elevate, amplify, get more speaking engagements for black women? Like how do, how do we how do we work together and do this? Because one of the cool things about speaking is, is it's such a collaborative uh, industry, like where someone books a speaker, you know, they're not going to lose anything by referring, you know, another speaker. Right. Um, but curious if you have anything any tips? How can we work together on this? That's powerful because that's the most significant one right there is just teasing right off of what you just said. And that is, are you diversifying your knowledge base about who's out there, particularly mm-hmm. women of color that are experts in your industry so that you could refer? I used to keep a running log of speakers that I knew. And I'm about to say running log, like a literally a piece of paper. <laughs> now <laughs> Yeah. Paper. Yeah. Um, but just really keeping in mind because people ask for certain subjects that I just was not committed to speaking about, mm-hmm. found it incredibly important and thus wanted them, somebody to have the best in that industry. So I knew at one point in time, I've kind of moved away from it now, but at that time it was who does bullying, who does gang prevention, who does all these other prevention strategies and needs that I was not an expert in. It's the same concept. You know, do you know people of color and women, Latinas? Do you know Asian Americans, whomever, right? Wherever Mm -hmm. they're from that are industry experts and are you encouraging yourself to learn who they are and get to know them? And then are you willing to make that referral? 
how you Absolutely. manage to position them in front. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, actually put together some email templates for anyone who's, who's listening of not just how to refer, you know, women and women of color to speaking engagements, but also to challenge events because Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, I would just say yes and show up. I'm like, and then all of a sudden I'd be there and I'm like, where, you know, where's there any diversity here? And I, I would feel almost embarrassed to be on this like speaker roster that was all white. And I realized I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to say yes to events that I don't know how they're going to be diversifying their lineup. Um, so I've started challenging them and there's a way that you can politely do that without, you know, like without canceling them, you can Mm -hmm. say, Hey, I noticed, you know, uh, that, you know, there's some ways that we, maybe we could add some more diversity and have some great, you know, people in mind for that. Tell me what topics you're looking for and would love to like refer that. But I think that, you know, a lot of events, um, it's not going to be acceptable mm-hmm. anymore and mm-hmm. they have to discover, uh, ways to do this. That's beautiful. And I love that you have that resource. <laughs> Raising my hand, we'll love that resource. As yeah, well. absolutely. I can share yeah. it. Uh, And I agree with you. The other thing that I think is also important is we also have to diversify experience, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. it's not just, we've got, we've got to go beyond even like color and gender. It's about, uh, and certainly beyond race, but it's also about the diversity of experience. You know, Mm -hmm. what does my experience look like? Like I am a little brown girl from the Caribbean that then moved to upstate New York that lives in Maryland that went to college. I have a lot of kind of affinity and what's the word I'm looking for? Genesis quoi, right? I have quite a few (laughs) things going for me. And then I've got lots of things that will kind of show up as weights in my journey. And so that diversity experience, because I am the brown girl, doesn't mean my experience is exactly the same as a girl who grew up straight from Baltimore, right? Exactly. That diversity yeah. experience is really important. I love that you kind of noted that and challenge in those spaces. Yeah. And and something that I, you know, have noticed about myself is, uh, like you said, diversity of experience. And I know that um, my, you know, childhood and my even my story of starting head, Headbands of Hope, it, it comes from from privilege. Like I had the I had the safety net where I could leap. And so going up there, sharing my story of how I started this company in college, like it's not, um, this, uh, I was on my last leg and like, this was going to be it. You know, I had this, um, really great safety net of my family. And I think that I've been kind of, I encourage speakers, you know, you don't have to be ashamed of your privilege, but, but call it out, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that there's ways that, like you said, diversity of experience is everyone on the stage. Did they start from the same, like, start on the same track, you know, or where it, cause I think a lot of times people pick speakers based on like what their resume says of like where they're at now. But I'm like, but where did they begin? Like, that's the other story. in all of this It's not just like, Oh, I've been in Forbes and like I've torn, you know, with Tony Robbins or whatever it is. It's like, no, let's look at the story of where they started um, because maybe they might not be exactly where some of these other speakers are, but they still had a hell of a run. Oh, so good. So good. And that also discourages some speakers. And that's why we talk about diversity of experience. 
just because that isn't your story, right? You right. didn't have trash cans and all those types. That's not your story. Doesn't mean your story doesn't have value. And exactly. on the other side of that fence is that story of privilege. But how does it look up? Maybe your story is, is based on privilege looks a little different. So that's not that you've had your own challenges. So yeah. that's that diversity of experience that all of those things are valuable and we have to bring them to the table because there's somebody that's in similar shoes to you that needs to hear your story or doesn't completely different shoes from you and they need to understand that side. Absolutely. So let's wrap it up with how, what advice would you give to speakers right now where we're living in a, um, maybe a non, you know, conference world in the pandemic, what can someone do out there to keep that speaker muscle active? Oh, that's so good. I would encourage you to diversify the type of speaking you're doing virtually. So case in point, are you doing more panel conversations? So when we think about live speaking engagements, there's the panel, there's the keynote, there's the training, there's the facilitation, right? There are those different speaker roles. I'm encouraging anybody to still practice those in a virtual space, still stand up. I'm sitting right now. However, (laughs) I have my little high stool, bar stool chair over there so that when I'm training, I can still stand. I have my camera situated so I know, you know, my my blacked out zone where I can still move and still um, be well lit and visible. So allow yourselves to still practice in those ways. So be on panels, talking in sound bites so that you can practice what it looks like to be a TV, radio, or podcast guest. Mm -hmm. Really allow yourself to still exercise the mode as if you're doing it live. Oh, I love it. Exercise the mode as if you're doing it live, like show up as if they're paying you 20 grand, you know, even if it's just, if it's just on your Instagram live for your mom and your sister, like you keep showing up the same. (laughs) And I say, because um, I was on the clubhouse with Tiffany Haddish and someone mentioned, no way. Oh my gosh. I hate that. I miss that room. (laughs) She's the, oh, so good. So she was, um, talking about how there's movies now that are airing, I can't remember the the channel, like a VH1, a VET, something like that, that she did long before she was discovered, made it big, or basically Girls Trip, which is when everybody began to know about her. And she said, you know what they're doing now? They're running those movies. They've got me on the front cover as if I was at the time when I wasn't. I'm not getting paid at all for that. So I say this in relation to you as a speaker, if you are doing your live in front of your mom or your cousin and your best friend or your dog, still do it playful out because as you grow and as you get big and people are going back into the archives and looking, you still want to be as amazing on the work you did five years before when you were speaking to just a few as when you're speaking to the many years from now. You never know who's listening. That's, oh, yeah. that's it. You, Mathina, you're amazing. Where can people find you? How can they work with you? Oh, uh, thank you. I'm at all things Mathina. That's M-O-T-H-Y-N-A. M-O-T-H-Y-N-A. There it is. That's my fast version, my hip hop version. So <laughs> I'm at all things Mathina. I'm at sistermathina.com and that's sistermathina.com. And I'm, I'm so excited because if you're interested in learning more about speaking, storytelling in particular, which is my 100% zone of genius, then go to stagereadyspeaker.com. Love it. And you're on Clubhouse. (laughs) Let's not forget that. Let's host another room together. Are you down? Oh yeah. I'm excited. I'm supposed to be in a room at, well, technically 1030, but. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll get you in there. All All right. right, Thanks, Mathina. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Business on the Bright Side. I'm your host, Jess Ekstrom. 
For all the show notes, head to businessonthebrightside.com and be sure to tell me what you thought of this episode on Instagram. And if you're picking up what I'm putting down, subscribe and write a review wherever you consume podcasts. See you next time and keep chasing the bright side.